0: for Tomorrow's Environment, produced by Content with Purpose in partnership with the Royal Town Planning Institute. Our response to the climate and ecological crisis requires heaps of innovation. We need to transform entire industries, reskill the workforce and create new jobs. That's one huge challenge, but one giant opportunity. So how does this affect you and your sector? Content with Purpose partners with professional member associations and trade bodies to delve into the future of their industries asking the tough questions, and showcasing the innovation propelling our net zero ambitions. Subscribe to this podcast to learn how the professionals in those industries are contributing towards our collective efforts to reach net zero and a more sustainable and prosperous future.
1: Welcome to Planning for Tomorrow's Environment, an RTPI and content with purpose podcast exploring the intrinsic role of planners in tackling climate change, paving the way to a sustainable, viable, and vibrant future. Now in this episode, we're exploring collaboration and looking at some practical examples of good work between planning and built environment professionals that are leading to innovative solutions. Because unless there is an understanding between What it is that the planners want to see and what the construction industries want to build, well, there will be misunderstanding. And that can lead to antagonism and a them and us situation, which is less than helpful if you want everyone on side to help move towards net zero carbon. 70% of CO2 emissions come from our built infrastructure, creating iron and steel and cement and then buildings and transport. And then keeping all of that running day to day is incredibly fossil fuel hungry at the moment. So finding ways of reducing carbon intensity in our built environment will be crucial if we're going to stand any sort of chance of meeting our climate change targets. So finding ways of fostering good relationships between planners and the people who actually deliver our towns and cities is going to be absolutely vital. Is that even possible? Well, to answer that big question, I'm very pleased to say I'm joined by Rachel Skinner, who is Executive Director ESG and Government at WSP, and Paul Seddon, who's Director of Planning and Regeneration at Nottingham City Council. Uh, Rachel, perhaps if I could turn to you first of all, you've been President of the uh, Institute of Civil Engineers, and you're currently at uh, WSP, one of the world's leading engineering and environmental professional services consultancies. What does your day job actually look like at the moment? (laughs)
2: I wish I could get that into a single sentence. Uh, The day-to-day day day job, well, um, as you've just mentioned, from a WSP point of view, my role is to sit on our UK board and lead on pieces to do with our responsible business and government relations. So that covers all things to do with our our corporate response to sustainability and the way that we, we look at that through ESG type lenses. But in reality, the rest of my time in terms of my day job is actually taken up wearing all sorts of different hats out and about in the industry. So you just mentioned that I spent a year being president of the Institution of Civil Engineers, where I did nothing for a whole year but talk about climate action for civil engineers. We'll come on to that, I'm quite sure. Um, But I also now chair the Carbon Workstream for the Infrastructure Client Group, um, also the Skills um, and Employment Task Force for the Department for Transport. Um, I'm involved pretty heavily with some work for Business London, so um, the new name for for London First in terms of the the London place-based response to some of these climate issues and, and also various the different hats, so we can touch on all of that as we go through.
1: So, Rachel, I mean, you really do wear lots of hats then, don't you? Collaboration really is your bag.
2: I think it's absolutely essential. I mean, I think woven through literally everything I've just outlined there is the fact that if we all set off with a different set of objectives and we don't try and understand each other, then actually the chances of all ending up in a place that we all want to get to, which in the case of climate action, obviously, is all to do with seeking to get towards net zero um, in time and also building sufficient resilience into the system to be able to cope until we get to that point, um, unless we get the collaboration right, unless we're all speaking the same language. Uh, and I mean that very, very literally in terms of the, the technical terminology and so on that we're all gonna be using. Um,
0: life is gonna get pretty tricky. Planning for tomorrow's environment. This episode is sponsored by Waits Developments. Part of the Waits Group. Weights Development specializes in land planning and residential development throughout Southern England. You can learn more about their work on our digital series website, planningfortomorrow.rtbi.org.uk. Planning for Tomorrow's Environment, produced by Content with Purpose in partnership with the Royal Town Planning Institute.
1: Okay, so just before I bring Paul Seddon in, who's uh, in charge of planning at at Nottingham Council, um, what does collaboration between planning and the, the people who actually deliver the built environment look like then, from your perspective?
2: so in terms of what that collaboration really looks like kind of in a practical sense um, i should say first of all i am a transport planner so i'm familiar with the world of planning although i've sort of morphed into a, into the civil engineering side of things as well but i'm still very much at the fronter end i suppose in terms of my own technical expertise of the process in my mind though i think the key thing to bear in mind is that it's a bit like an innovation curve. The earlier we can get onto particular big themes and big topics and start to think and influence different solutions in a particular direction, the greater the influence you can have. So if if we start at the very, very sharp end of construction, we're already out on site, we're already building something, we're doing something, yes, you have opportunities to make a difference in terms of, for example, the climate impact that you're talking about or some wider sustainability side of things that you're, you're trying to, to measure and to improve in terms of its benefit or reduce in terms of its impact but your potential to have that influence your potential to to maximize the benefit and minimize the downsides is so much greater if we get onto it at the front end and that of course is where all of the strategy setting and the policy setting and the planning and so on comes comes into play and we need to essentially start to take action in my view all the way through that process we can't stop everything There is stuff out on site. There are changes already being made. There's investment all the time going on. However, we should also get onto this at the very, very front end as well. We need to just have that sort of wholesale jump and just frankly get on with making some of these changes in the right direction.
1: Okay, right. Well, in that case, let's bring Paul Seddon in now. You're Paul. You're the director of planning and regeneration at Nottingham City Council. So you're right in the front line of all of this. I, I guess you could say that. Yeah, although less
3: for, less on the front line or at the coalface than than maybe I used to used to be a while ago. Um, and just the joy of you know spending time in local government. Um, and Rachel, as, as a transport planner yeah, yourself, I'm not a transport planner. But I now have transport within my di- my division, so within 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 the directorate as well, um, which is, I think, just an example of that continued momentum of collaboration and actually bringing the right things together that are at the strategic level, so their place and movement and how we think about the whole of the city uh, and making sure, you know, we're creating the, the strategies, the policies right down to the execution of them in terms of that whole picture. And that gives us a real opportunity to bring in kind of real Embedded, joined-up thinking around sustainability as a whole place and as a whole kind of system within within an, within a, an, an, an urban an urban place. Um, I think just I know this one isn't isn't kind of talking about the kind of the biggest picture or a gripe with governments and what have you, which we all do, or kind of gripes with with, with, with each other. But I, I think you know I, just just to build on. Um, where Rachel was around the need for um, having the focus, having the clarity, getting the strategies and the policies right. I think for me, one of the one of the hardest things um, around collaboration, and it's probably why across the country it's different, is um, we spend a lot of time as planners or local planning authorities, decision makers, perhaps within it, um, arguing about Things that are about the principle of whether um, whether the housing numbers for instance, or actually what is the strategy for growth for an area we spend an awful lot of time focused on that, and there's a finite amount of time within any working day and with any capacity within within a local council um, to spend the time on it so I think those places that that um, have a have a more resolved Growth strategy, sustainable strategy, No, they going as an urban area can simply spend more time doing the creative problem solving and creating that culture within which planners, built environment professionals can really excel, excel the most. We've got no national plan. I'll be as bold to say that. Regional or kind of strategic planning is patchy. And so that a lot of it is about uh, talking about I say, negotiating rather than arguing about the principle of things rather than thinking where you know, we can get upstream for some of these major developments and changes within our places where we can influence more and we can do that collaboration in the best, best way.
1: Okay, so uh, Rachel was nodding along there and and particularly at the moment we said we have no national plan, which is kind of a a scary thing that we can really say at this particular point. Um, But just before we come back to Rachel, I just want to ask you, Paul, have you got a kind of a specific real world example of a genuinely collaborative approach between planners and people who are delivering stuff on the ground that has led to a more sustainable outcome in your in your remit, in your team?
3: Really, fortunately, there's loads I can list within within Nottingham. Whether you know, whether they're real examples of kind of very green, very sustainable influence, um, you know, transforming the quality of design, um, thinking about the connectivity, all of those. There's there's loads of them. We're fortunate in that the teams can do a lot of their focus at that influential formative stage of projects, because we know that what we want to happen. What the strategy is for the development of the city, and we aren't spending lots of time doing that. There's one, there's one example that's a practical one. I'll say um, it's not the biggest scheme ever that we've dealt with. In fact, it's it could it's a relatively small scheme in in definition terms, but it does involve a rather significant company for for the city um, and probably internationally. Well, no, definitely internationally as well. So, Experian who we will all know about, some of us will use their um, kind of testing on credit checks and all of that sort of stuff and all of the, their data, you know, huge, hugely rich kind of data organisation. Um, early in the pandemic, um, when the way we worked was transforming and experience, uh, Experian reached out to me and colleagues saying, okay, they were thinking about what their whole strategy across the country and internationally might be for their estate and how what the pattern of work might be and how they would use their assets that they chose to retain, so their office locations, as efficiently as they could do. The conclusion of that was more people, more dense use, a different
1: use of office space, and so you actually got involved as the local authority, and you helped shape their their, their decision-making process. Absolutely, and I
3: think that's that's about where um, there is that relationship making that trust, that understanding, and reputation, which is that you know, the planning authority within Nottingham is seen as a kind of problem solver, um, can give the certainty, the clarity to get to A and B, A to B, and you know a confidence that um, if you work with us, you'll get an outcome that is the outcome that we advise you it, it, will, it will be. Um, I, I, I'll, sing, I'll sing a quick praise for the teams that get involved in this. I think it's about seven or eight years now, everything that's gone to Nottingham's planning committee has been supported with the officer recommendation. so that's the kind of picture I suppose the reputation picture is. Um, it's not just rubber stamped, it's the whole process and the trust that exists across all parties within that collaborative
1: collaborative space. So, so you do actually like to say yes to things. It's not just a, an opportunity to say, no, nope, you can't do that. You can't build that there. <laughs> you're going to have to do something else. As an authority, you're actually actively trying to get new, innovative things to happen.
3: Absolutely. absolutely. And I think you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm a planner through and through, but I'm an urban planner most often and a city planner which is the melting pots of change and and development so yes we absolutely want to say yes to the right stuff and to then work with any developers to get the best for them and for the city out of that opportunity that comes comes along you know a new building a change to a building or anything like that.
1: So, Rachel, you're uh, on the other side of the fence. You're wanting to actively do stuff, make things, create them, put them out there. At the moment, does the planning system work for you to get the things done that you want to?
2: I think I might have to challenge the question here, actually, because I think this is this is a really interesting area of of change in itself. Uh, yes, the, the the stereotype, I suppose, of of those people working in the in the sort of civil engineering and the, and the construction space is obviously that by definition, you know, you want to be associated with something that's actually happening. But I think the nature of what we are going to find ourselves doing going forward is going to be extremely different to some of those stereotypes of the past. I don't think it's simply the case that, you know, it's a case of turn up and right, let's just build, build, build. Because actually when it comes to sustainability and when it comes to as Paul was just saying you know finding the right solutions for different things I think we have to become far more conscious of the fact that we've got to live with the 90 something percent of the high 90% of the infrastructure that's already there whether we're talking about buildings or transport or water or waste or energy or, or digital or whatever else it might be you're dealing with we've got to find ways to start to think about what we've already got as a system, and invest in changes in the system to make it work much better and more sustainably. And I'm not just talking there about the the environmental or the climate side of things. I'm also talking about the socio-economic side of things as well. Um, we we need to change the the game in terms of assuming that the right solution is always going to be something that's that's new and shiny and usually covered in sort of concrete and glass and all that kind of thing. Yes, there is a place for that. Of course, there is in future. But the only way we're going to get towards some of the The big picture outcomes things like you know the uk becoming genuinely net zero by 2050 the only way we're going to get there is if we completely challenge that mindset and start to really think about the role that different different professions can actually play in shaping the built environment going forward so we're talking about you know it's got to get into circular economy it's got to get into using far less of these materials and holding their value for much much longer it's got to get into all the pieces to do with not just the um the the direct carbon and associated equivalent emissions, but also the the resilience of our places to the the oncoming changes in in climate and so on that are coming. These are massive issues, which when you come around to the question of, okay, so what does that mean in terms of the role different people play and what is the right answer? I think we're gonna have to start to see some completely different kinds of solutions emerging.
1: OK. And when Paul said earlier, we have no national plan, I mean, fundamentally, we need a national plan, then, don't we? You can't, you can't make these kind of giant changes and have a complete sea change in what we're doing and why we're doing it without that being led from the front.
2: It would be lovely, wouldn't it? to have national plans for all sorts of things but the minute you have something like that that people feel is constraining actually all they start to do in terms of human behavior is push back against it and so on I think so uh, I think it's an interesting one I think there is definitely a place for national principles and some level of planning but I think there is also as Paul was just saying absolutely a place for local and regional decision making in order to best fit together the infrastructure systems in order to help these places to work as best they can for for you know both the communities living in them but also the natural environment around them as well so i guess i'm not completely convinced of the need for you know top-down answers to absolutely everything but i do think also that we could all perhaps stop doing this and and sort of pointing at other people in terms of needing to be the ones who find the answers and actually take a little bit more ownership be a bit more accountable ourselves for finding some of these right solutions as they apply at the more local level now in reality you know, we all have different abilities to influence different things. And for example, if you are the planning authority, you can say yes to certain things, you can say no to certain things. If you are, you know, there, there are different powers that exist, aren't there, depending on actually which organisations you are and, and where you are in the supply chain and so on. But fundamentally, it all starts with putting the right options on the table and trying to make sure that those, those, you know, that the, the best of those options actually come through. Um, if I may, just very briefly, my other sort of sort of overriding thought for a second here is that I think I mentioned the the challenge of language a few minutes ago, and I genuinely do think that even in a conversation like this one, it is really, really difficult to make sure we're all talking about the same things. In in my view, and I've kind of increasingly come to this opinion over the last few years, that it, logically that there is no such thing. As the perfectly sustainable solution to a lot of these things unless actually you leave a lot of them alone (laughs) as in you don't build at all which clearly is a really difficult position to be in because when you're looking across environmental and social and economic indicators there is almost always going to be a trade-off and i think in terms of that i guess that the conversation through the life cycle of what we're trying to do and through these different places around the country and so on we have to just get a lot more intelligent at how we have these conversations in order to help us to get to a more collaborative set of outcomes.
1: So, Paul, I I was having a little look at Nottingham. One of the things that you're sort of trumpeting about changes being made to the city centre is the Broadmarsh Green Heart. So it was a, a shopping centre, I believe, that's been sort of demolished or is in the process of going and is going to be replaced with a lot more greenery right in the heart of Nottingham is that the kind of sort of piecemeal thing that that local authorities need to be doing a lot more of and bringing to the fore to actually start making pragmatic changes in the direction that we're talking about i think i mean cool we could i could spend i could spend way more than an hour talking about broadmarsh, it's importance
3: and, and what have you i i hear what you say about piecemeal i think it's a it's a, you could say it's a single project but it's a massive project it's a game-changing project for this for the city centre in that in that that kind of kind of scale i think the important thing and picking up where kind of rachel was was there is um i think to get the best out of collaboration collaboration if we're talking about um which i think we are today mostly is a kind of project level or development level kind of influencing the stuff that actually gets built or changed or done on on the ground and you're right there'll be lots of those those in a place the most important thing is is to have enough clarity about what you're trying to achieve and i think in terms of a national plan for me it would be what we're we trying to achieve as a nation not Thou shalt do this, and here's here's a here's a you know encyclopedia of policies and so on, but actually you know the handful of things that are the critical priorities for us as a nation, of which sustainability has got to be one of one of those. And if I can, if I can before I get onto Broadmarsh, if I can quickly just say for the Experian example, so the conclusion of that was, okay, we're open to conversations and available. And I will make myself available for the conversations that are the right ones and the ones that need to be had. On one level, this was an expansion to a car park for an office of an office building for a city that has got fantastic, you know, only outside London, I think, only London has a better kind of bus service, public transport, you know, we've got a tram. It is all about kind of sustainable movement and connectivity within Nottingham. So on one level, a business who wants to have a bigger car park with a tram that runs outside of it, you know, well connected, quite close to the city centre, um, a policy could just be turned a handle and say, that doesn't compute, and the answer is no, because we don't want more car parking. But the collaboration and the contact and the relationship and the dialogue enabled that to be understood in the business's perspective, which was, it's not a standard of X number of floor space equals Y car parking, but this is what's the need of that business in a fast moving uncertain world, in a post pandemic high density use of its estate that drove, yes, there is a need for a car park there or additional car parking.
1: So, Rachel, I want to bring you in on this specifically because I know that, well, I just want to, data and metrics is one of the really important things that I I know is really important to Rachel. And it's the fact that you're looking at what the outcome of that specific project is and why you're doing it that's the crucial thing, not just a kind of a a blanket decision-making process.
2: I I completely agree, and I think even that example that Paul was just mentioned there, it's fascinating, Um, just thinking back to the beginning of my career, where exactly the approach that Paul just outlined is exactly what you used to do. What kind of a thing is it? Right, so this times this, there's the amount of parking. We've completely flipped on its head, which is a great thing, you know, the the need case, if you like, in terms of actually demonstrating what is really required and and why, and, and the fact that you're going to be allowed to, and we should encourage you know, the right decisions to be made in terms of genuinely what is actually required and what might lie ahead. And all of that has to be predicated on data uh, and metrics and and prior evidence and examples. We need to keep on learning.
3: And sometimes, Rob, I would say, Rachel, it's it's how stuff looks and what it achieves as well. So the the experience one there, I mean, at one level, it's just a car park. On the other level, is it enabled the conversation to start and the collaboration with all of the planning team, with transport colleagues, with our carbon neutral team. We have an ambition to be carbon neutral by 2028. Um, So it brought all of those together. It was the planners that got all of those people to talk to each other with Experian to say, OK, what's the art of the possible here? We don't like car parks and we don't really like car movement, but we recognise you need it as a business. How do we make all of those things come together? So promotion of different ways of travelling, knowing that we have more and more people going to and from this building, much denser use of that, that building. How do we both build in your capacity that you feel you need, but also promote sustainable travel? cycle use. They installed showers and it was a whole picture that they put together. Instead of just having tarmac for car parking, permeable surfaces, um, you know, thinking about biodiversity, planting and all of that. And to be fair to Experian, you know, once we joined them up with all of that kind of thinking, they ran with it way further than we would have ever had a policy that would have required it. Because I think, with the collaboration becomes the enthusiasm for those that are involved in this space. So it was inherently positive for them as a business to take that forward in terms of the richness of the experience of working in that building, the options of how you travel, how they look after their staff, how they, you know, they've got beehives and they had a celebratory day in terms of opening all of that, you know, with a whole load of kind of promotion of sustainable stuff within it. So an idea of a car park done in collaboration, bringing the right people in, emerged into an exemplar of sustainability, um, because of that kind of collabor- that collaboration and that that different way of, of thinking, not just policy says no.
1: So, Rachel, do you, do you, if you're a civil engineer and you're wanting to create a building or a bridge or whatever it is, do you welcome that kind of level of detailed input from planners? You know, maybe suggesting the kind of materials you should be using, that kind of thing, or is it slightly resented?
2: Uh huh. I think the honest answer is that it's just good to know where you stand. If It depends on where, if you're talking about a particular site, it depends on where that is, and it's a case of understanding what the context is. If you are in a place where some of that guidance is beginning to exist, whether it's to do with the type of, you know, whatever it is you're trying to create in terms of a development, or whether it's to do with the actual place that you are, if you know what, you know, good, if you like, is seen as looking like then at least you know where you are stacking up in terms of whether you can do something that is better which is obviously what you should be trying to do um, or, or whether it's something that may may fall short and you need to try and find other solutions and so on I actually think at the moment we are in a space where when, when it comes to the specifics of things like for example you know that the carbon content of particular types of construction materials to take something really quite specific yes there is clearly a massive issue in that space yes there are route maps out there in terms of how we're going to find ways to use less of it how we're going to reduce the impact of the materials we still have to use but the jury is still very much out in terms of just how far we can actually go but i do think it it is helpful to engage for example with planning authorities and and similar in terms of understanding you know how to to what extent there is a match or a mismatch in terms of that level of ambition i think one of the one of the really really big challenges for the the climate impact space and specifically the, the decarbonisation and, and net zero net zero space right now is to make sure that in terms of the, the ambition setting, the, the policy setting, so statements like for example, we'll be carbon neutral by whenever or we'll be net zero by whenever, definitions are moving all the time. In this space and it's really really challenging and I, and I think it's almost the case that the minute you get to grips with what ambition you may already have set before you realized what those words really meant or obviously they've shifted in the meantime and i think it is the case in nottingham as well as elsewhere um it is it, it, it is a massive challenge to get ahead of that so really i mean it's almost the perfect example of collaboration isn't it really everybody needs to feel they're trying to pull in the right direction and trying to go as far as they can both around the the um, carbon side of things but also the cost side of things um, in order to try to come up with the best possible solutions in, in each case. It, it does potentially set up quite a lot of tension but that tension in ways is sort of healthy I think at the moment because we are all trying to learn and, and push and trying to do things significantly differently to the way we used to do it whether it's two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago and so on. It, it, it really can't be underestimated just how difficult that is but I would always rather... I guess, deal with somebody who is at least interested in having that conversation and pushing you know, the ideas around and kicking around some thoughts than, than somebody who says, no, the answer is this or no, we don't know anything about that. Because at that point, you can't even engage in that conversation, which really is going to be a problem.
1: Okay. So, Paul, let's turn that on its head a little bit. How do you cope with uh, builders, designers, people who come at the, the the local authority and they want to put something in uh, they're not interested in putting heat pumps in. They want to use a lot of concrete and steel. Uh, they want to, you know, have to do things the old fashioned way, as it were, because it's tried and trusted in the way that we've always done it. We know what we're doing with that. How do you then have a conversation with somebody who is approaching you from that perspective?
3: Um, carefully with enthusiasm and um, yeah, I think enticing it and understanding what or why. Most schemes, if you can get to them early enough, in that kind of formative stage, and you can do it, I think. I think in a number of ways. Um, capacity to have a conversation with everybody is a bit challenging, and to kind of have have a whole kind of team base on every single scheme is a, is a bit you know, beyond most local authorities, probably all local authorities, I think. But you can do stuff up front, um, and you know, I think kind of kind of Rachel's sense of. I don't think we'll ever get to a point where there's a kind of blueprint of that's what you do and everybody follows it because the built environment is really complicated and buildings are really complicated. And, you know, we'd forever and a day invent that and it would be out of date straight away. But what you can do is through either guidance or the conversations, identify what work is needed, what understanding is needed and kind of set out your stall and it's a stall that can advance with with understanding. So there's a couple of things in Nottingham we've we've done. Um, all major planning applications now there is a, a carbon neutral checklist. It's designed as a kind of it's it's obviously available on the website. You don't even have to talk to us to find out about it. And it just kind of takes developers, prospective developers, and their design teams through um, what we want addressing. But most importantly, what planning committee at Nottingham, when it comes to making a decision, will expect to have been answered and where they want to see the bar raising with, with, within all of that. We've got a, within the design quality framework, we've got a carbon neutral design guide. These That's an informal document as is the checklist, deliberately so at the moment because it's such a fast-moving area that we don't want to spend a ton of time getting to something really formal for it to be out of date the day after we've, ad- we've adopted it, so they can be fleet of foot within it. And the more recent thing that we've done, we've had a design review panel um, that has really pushed up over the past decade the kind of design quality of new buildings and placemaking within the city. We've now put in place a carbon neutral review panel. So not only do so there's a separate design review panel looks at, you know, and that's got built environment experts on it. It's the model that uh, CABE used for, for years and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of running running that way. We've now done the same for carbon neutral, so sustainability within that. And the idea is that kind of that happens for the major schemes in advance of a design review panel. So it gets there right at the formative stage to start that conversation, start that collaboration and that, that thinking. And it's this, you know, I say path of least resistance often but it, I'm pretty sure that that's that's the wrong way it's 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 clarity and certainty that it that it gives so it's going to work with us work with these teams get to this you've got a better chance when it comes to, to planning committee actually giving you a, a, an
1: okay for your for your significant investment so rachel do you, does that sound like nottingham are kind of heading in the right direction collaboratively is that what you want to be seeing more of i
2: think definitely that early stage guidance in terms of just setting expectations in whatever way it definitely cannot hurt. What I would see as one of the biggest challenges going forward, and, and this isn't just the case within the planning system, it's all the way through the the design and, and construction processes more generally um, beyond that, I guess. It's this piece, and we, we touched on it a few minutes ago, to do with the 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 data the metrics the actual delivery of whatever some of these promises are going to be because i think we are entering a world right now where we have hundreds of different tools emerging to assess impacts of this that and the other because of course we haven't settled on definitive ways to do things and maybe we never will because this field is moving so so quickly we've also got a situation right now where people who um have for a long time in their careers, had very little expertise in in some of these sorts of sustainability driven spaces, not least climate, but also, for example, things to do with social value and other other pieces as well. We've got a situation where people are learning fast and they're developing the tools they think they need in order to start to answer these questions. But at some point, we're going to have to make sure we get our arms around quality and make sure we've really understood what good does actually look like in terms of those appraisal techniques, whether you're at the earliest stage of, of, of concept to do with some ideas, whether you're at the point of submitting a planning application, whether you're trying to go for, you know, detailed, um, you know, permission around, around specific, um, I don't know, it might be some reserved matters, whatever it could be, or or whether indeed you're, you know, sort of trying to work out the finer details out on site for something. We have got to make sure that what we think we are trying to deliver is actually what is coming out when you look at that sort of whole life impact of the various changes to our places and and infrastructure systems that we're actually making that i think is going to be a serious challenge because we've never been very good and this isn't just in the uk this is just generally it's extremely difficult to check that what people have promised they're going to do is actually what then happens in practice unless there are dead obvious things to go out and measure or count and so on so we've got to try and work out what we're going to do in terms of tracking progress i guess towards things like net zero because if we don't get our arms around that quickly, we're going to find that the curve in terms of getting there is a huge amount steeper than it already is. And believe me, it's already steep enough. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. OK. So, I mean, we could get, literally talk about this for hours and hours and hours. And sadly, we're going to have to draw the, the, the conversation to a close fairly shortly. So, Paul, what I want you to, to do for me now is to what is the one big idea that you want people listening to this podcast to leave with in their head you as a planner as somebody who's on the front line and actually wanting to collaborate with developers as they're bringing new ideas forward and wanting to to shape what nottingham looks like in future what's the big idea that you want people to take away from this conversation simplicity i think within that and i think picking up where rachel
3: was there what we can't design is a whole industry around um that's expecting local council planners, or whatever the teams are, to measure all of this, and to become experts in, in this in this field. I think what, what local government, what local plan authorities can do, is they can be, they're, they're very good, and I think a unique position, which is um, the kind of planning process and planners, Sit at the heart, and they can corral and enthuse and coordinate. and they can move a place, whether it's a city or a whole country collectively, can move in in a in a direction. What they can't be is absolute experts on on everything. And I think that that note that Rachel has brought there. Does need cracking in terms of where's where's it where's it gonna be? You know, places are really complicated, planners are good at thinking about what's the vision, where are we going, who needs to be collaborating in this space to achieve that, but they cannot be the experts in in all of that. And as a nation we need to work out what is the simplicity around around some of the technical issues issues with it which are really are really are really complicated you know decide government please is it planning or is it building regs that deals with how you construct a building um, sustainability is so much more compli- complex than a building because it's whole place shaping but you know even that for a start would be a help to say right it's the building regulations process the experts that understand how you put one brick or thing on top of each other, um, if we can land that,
1: then... That would make life better. <laughs> OK. And as a final thought from you, um, are you, I mean, you've been in the game for a long time. Are you optimistic that we are heading in a better direction now than maybe we were five years ago?
3: Um, I, I, yes.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think the, it is helped by the
3: fact that um, the industry the development industry the kind of change industry investors property developers landowners institutions um, are recognizing now how essential it is to have sustainability long-term sustainability of new buildings existing buildings um, simply for their bottom line i mean if if we come to the you know cut it down to that so I think there's a whole momentum within that kind of institutional investment and property ownership and place Place management that recognises just how central sustainability um, needs needs to be for that for the longev- longevity of assets. So there's kind of there's there's an economic driver now, as well as perhaps the passion and enthusiasm that that the likes of Rachel and I have had for for a number of years uh, of thinking of that kind of multifaceted you know place shaping um, w- within it. I think you know we'll, we'll probably be caught up and then surpassed. I think by that momentum, or at least that's what I hope.
1: Right. Well, that is an optimistic thing to think. So thank you very much, Paul. And Rachel, I'll put the same couple of questions to you. What's the the single key idea? We're talking about collaboration specifically between the planning world and and people who have to deal with the planning world in creating things that are going to go into our towns and cities. What's the single idea you want people to come away with from this conversation?
2: I think I'm going to pick up directly on, on the words around direction of, of, of travel. Um, so coming coming back kind of zooming out i guess to to the level of putting ourselves in a place where the UK's legally binding net zero 2050 obligation is actually achieved the only way we're going to get there is through two things it's the direction of travel and the pace at which we decide we're going to go now the direction from everything we've been saying in this conversation the direction of travel is is broadly getting better understood now even if not everybody's yet acting on it at least we all know what we should be doing but in reality the pace of change is already falling very very short of what it actually needs to be and i think we need to do more whatever we possibly can do and in a minute i will put on my optimist hat um we have to recognize that that this situation is not something with sort of an optional End game here. The end state is not in our control and can't be pushed back to suit our convenience. We can't just sort of nudge it back a few years just because it suits us. Actually, some of these things are going to happen regardless, and and there's a huge amount of uncertainty in terms of that. You know that the pace at which some of these changes are going to start to really run away from us if we're not careful. So I guess, really, for me. We're in a position now where it doesn't matter if you are a planner or an engineer or indeed anybody working in the built environment, if you choose not to engage with some of these topics around big picture sustainability, and in particular, from my own sort of vantage point that the climate action piece, uh, if you choose not to engage then you'd better be able to sleep at night knowing that, frankly, you are actually part of the problem and not part of the solution. And I would imagine that planning ethics, just like engineering ethics, run directly against that. So I guess optimistically, we, we have the choice to see this as really scary or really exciting. But actually, there is a massive opportunity out there for everybody that wants to engage, because this is the stuff that whole careers are now going to be built on without doubt, because this is the this is the direction that we absolutely have to go. And as I say, faster.
1: Well, uh, both of you, it's been great to actually have a conversation with you and hear your thoughts on so many of the issues today. I'm sure it's just the start of a huge number of debates. Um, Rachel Skinner, Executive Director, ESG and Government at WSP, and Paul Seddon, who's Director of Planning and Regeneration at Nottingham City Council. Thank you both for being with us. And if you missed any of the other podcasts in our series, you can, of course, catch up by searching online for RTPI Planning for Tomorrow's Environment, where you'll also find a whole bunch of useful material including a film documentary and a range of videos you can use to inform and inspire your colleagues and the next generation of planners because we all want to create a world for our children and grandchildren that's healthy and socially inclusive and environmentally sustainable, even beautiful. That's something worth planning for, isn't it? Thanks for listening. I'm Rob Smith and this has been a Content with Purpose production.
0: Thanks once again to the sponsor of this episode, Weights Developments. You can read, watch and learn more about their work and about the full Planning for Tomorrow's Environment digital series by going to planningfortomorrow.rtpi.org.uk. And don't forget to visit contentwithpurpose.co.uk or find us on social to check out more of our podcast collaborations.